When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My Seven Chakras, episode 47. The kingdom of heaven is within you. And it's all about moving inside and that everything that we need is within us. The Seven Chakras, swirling vortices of energy positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. So hit the accelerator, action takers. AJ here, and you are listening to episode 47 of my seven chakras and this is so exciting which is three episodes from the golden 50 and as usual i am electrified to bring you our featured guest today dr janice fletcher so dr janice are you ready to inspire AJ, you have asked me the perfect question because I just finished uh, this past fall my book called Teach with Spirit, The Teacher's Inward Journey Guide. And in the last chapter of writing that book, I had an epiphany, which is one of my areas of expertise of the aha moment or an epiphany. And I had one about myself. And what I found is throughout all that I've done in my life, I've been an educator, a doctor of education, I've been a speaker, I've been a trainer, I've been so many things that I thought I was. What I discovered is that my purpose is to inspire. So yes, AJ, I am ready to inspire. And thank you for giving me the opportunity with your audience to do just that. Awesome. So Dr. Fletcher transitions us to conscious learning by awakening potential genius and creating optimal learning for all through her books, Wisdom from the Inner Teacher, Turning Ahas into Our Moments, that is optimal wisdom learning and teach with spirit the teacher's inward journey guide. She integrates her vast educational experience with her spiritual wisdom, bringing a unique process which results in consistent OWL moments, OWL moments and teachers training from a spiritual perspective. So Dr. Janice, tell us a little bit more about yourself. I am by trade and educator, I have uh, served in the roles of teacher, administrator, principal of two different schools, um, all sorts of levels above that, worked with uh, many nonprofits and so on. But mostly you would define me as an educator. However, along with that, I have been a spiritual student and seeker since I was aware of it at about age 16 or so, and I'm now 62, so that's a long time. And I have now integrated those two pursuits in my life, my educational experience and my spiritual seeking and knowledge into these two books and into what I'm about to share with you. And it is uh, an integration of the two. So it is a spiritual perspective uh, for teachers, but it applies to everybody. Uh, For instance, the book that I've just finished is called Teach with Spirit. I so often want to 
refer to it as live with spirit because it is about how to embrace spirit and the reason that it is written for teachers and through the educational uh, perspective and experiences that I've had is because I'm an educator, but it could be live with spirit. So that's a little bit about me. Enough. Anything else you'd like to know? Well, thanks a lot for that crisp introduction. And Dr. Janice, as always, we begin our show with an inspirational quote. And today you have that opportunity to light the lamp in our minds. So what is your favorite inspirational quote? And give us an example of how you apply this quote to your everyday life. Well, there are many quotes that speak to this same purpose. The one that comes to mind immediately is the kingdom of heaven is within you. And it's all about moving inside and that everything that we need is within us and how that applies to my message, because I will be sharing with you at some point the six-step process of how to, in fact, listen to your inner teacher, is because my purpose is to bring people within so and then access their intuition, their divinity, whatever they want to call it, so that they can get the answers, the ahas, the truth that they need to live their life from the inside out rather than look, seeking and looking for it outside. The kingdom of heaven is within you. I think that's a profound and a really beautiful statement. And it sort of reminds me of my own practice, which I do whenever an important occasion occurs. For example, if I'm recording in the morning to get into state, I say all I need is within me now. All all the love I need is within me now. All the intelligence I need is within me now. And that I learned through Tony Robbins, who is, is a peak performance expert. And what you said reminded me of my incantations so very well. So thanks a lot for reminding us. Now, one of your books is called Wisdom from the Inner Teacher, Turning Ahas into O-W-L Moments. I'm not sure if you pronounce it as owl moments. So if you can elaborate, what is an O-W-L moment? You do pronounce it as owl. Okay. The acronym is because wisdom, wisdom from the inner teacher, the owl is an icon of wisdom. I also had a shaman explain to me that my totem is an owl. And so as an educator, the owl comes forth and as a spiritual person, the owl comes forth. And so the acronym stands for Optimal Wisdom Learning. And again, my purpose is to have students and classroom teachers and lifelong students anywhere in the world to be able to learn uh, optimally. And what I mean by optimally is that there is a much higher, easier way for us to access truth. And accessing truth or wisdom, whichever way you want to refer to it, is what having an owl moment is all about. Uh, We actually think of it as an aha moment. And I can talk to you in great detail about that. That's what this book, Wisdom from the Inner Teacher, is primarily about. It is about accessing your whatever you define as your inner teacher, first of all, you make up the definition of what that is, and then accessing it, and then learning how you come in, how those aha moments come in. And as you learn the steps about how they come in, you can then replicate and sustain them, and you can create a super highway between your left and right brain so that that wisdom and truth that will come through your right brain rather than your left brain, which I'll talk about in detail, is open for you to receive wisdom all the time. Once you are aware of the process, and then you have created the conditions so that more 
and more ahas can come forth. You begin living through an intuitive way of being rather than a a left brain way of being. And so that would be learning optimally or living optimally by having access to your truth open and access to it. And so when you're aware of it, the aha becomes an owl moment rather than an aha moment. So that's what that title uh, explains. I love your explanation. You mentioned that symbolically an owl stands for wisdom. And it's true when you look at an owl, it's unlike any other bird because it seems like there is an ancient soul behind those eyes. And then you said that you help students learn optimally and by that you mean uh, accessing much higher wisdom, but not only that, accessing it in a way that is much more easier. And then you create a super highway between your left brain and the right brain so that you can have more and more of those magical moments, the aha moments or those light bulb moments. Now, in your book, you often ask this question, are you connected to spirit or live with spirit. So for the benefit of our audience, what is your definition of spirit? Oh, um, well, there's so many definitions. And one of the things that I do in my book, in the second book, Teach with Spirit, mm. it, it allows the reader to go through. And the first step is to define for themselves what they believe spirit to be. And in there, I provide oh dozens of different definitions of spirit because what matters is what the person believes spirit is for me it's a oneness take every religion every philosophy every belief system and so on and within that there is one the one and for me it is connecting to that one and that means irrespective of caste creed religion anything it's just the essence the uh, within us um some religions call it the holy spirit chai uh, shanti all sorts of names for it and uh, but the bottom line and or the shabbat i call it the one and so connecting to that for me is what spirit is spirit is that holy spirit or shabbat or whatever word you within your own belief system you'd like to call it but what's most important is that the person defines it for themselves. And the, and the second book is a guidebook for, that actually walks you through that step-by-step step about how to put down your definition and read other definitions and then come up with the intellectual version and then move into the experience of connecting to spirit. But we start with the intellectual so that we can have our left brain satisfied and then we move into the right of the experience of spirit. I completely agree with your definition. Spirit is oneness, but it might have many names. Holy Spirit, Paramatma, Superintelligence, the universe, infinite consciousness. But I also agree with what you say. In many cases, it's important to satisfy the left side of your brain to make it seem logical and then move on so that your belief systems are strengthened. Now, this reminded me of a little story. Now, Archimedes had a eureka or an aha moment Mm. while he was sitting in the bathtub. And to an outsider, this might seem like a random unpredictable event. So what really happens in our brain during an aha moment and can such moments be made less random? Can we prepare for such moments? Absolutely. And that is the purpose. The first book, Wisdom from the Inner Teacher, is condensed into the fourth chapter of the second book, Teach with Spirit. But the steps are, and I will move through them as quickly as possible, and it all begins, and you can look at this, this six-step process through whatever lens you choose. You can look at it very uh, physically or mundanely, biologically or physiologically, and look at what happens literally within our physical being. Sure. And you can look at it spiritually as a sacred journey 
And so it doesn't matter to me, again, what lens you use because the steps are the same. And the first step is that there begins desire. There is a question. There is a seeking. And in that question or the desire or the seeking, the left brain engages. And it begins to question what it is or look for the answer of that question. And the question could be mundane. What is two plus two? What is the meaning of life? Mm-hmm. Or you know, what do, anything in between. Do I, should I marry this man? Should I sell this house? Whatever it is that we're looking for the answer for. Our left brain seeks and seeks and seeks that answer. And, and what happens is it just works very, very hard. And it looks through in, in the left brain, as Einstein refers to the left brain, as a faithful servant because in the left brain the faithful servant is the computer and anything we put into the computer we can get out but we can't get anything beyond that so in the seeking of the answer we we go into our left brain and we canvas everything in there and inventory everything and at some point in time in this process of problem solving there comes a time when we say i don't know i don't know i give up I'm going to table the discussion to the next meeting. I'm going to wait till next week. I can't think about this anymore. You know, I'm just done with this. I give up. And what happens with any of those scenarios of how you say it is the second step. And the second step is surrender. Now, from a spiritual point of view, there isn't a spiritual transformation that takes place without the surrender of the ego. Mm -hmm. And the left brain is the ego. And the left brain is the I-ness. And so in, from the spiritual point of view, when we say, I give up, I don't know, we're actually surrendering. From the physical point of view, our brain literally shuts down on the left side. We just close it off because we're no longer going to seek looking there anymore because the answer wasn't there. And so in that surrendered state, there is we say to ourselves, whether we acknowledge it or not, I'm going to find the answer somewhere else. Somebody, somehow, somewhere is going to give me that answer, which means that it's not me. There may be a greater force. There may be a higher knowing. There may be somebody who's more intelligent than me. Whatever it is, I'm humbled. I'm surrendered that the answer is not within. I don't have it. I'm going to find the answer somewhere else. So in that surrendered state, when the left brain quiets down, that's the second step, surrender. So we go from desire to surrender, which then leads very naturally, of course, into the third step, which is to still the mind. And as I say, this happens with everybody every time we have an epiphany, every time we have an aha moment, whether it is a very slight one or one like Eureka. It doesn't matter. The the steps are the same. So the third step is still the mind. Still the mind happens absolutely naturally once we surrender. Because when we surrender, then we have the left brain quieted, and that means our mind is stilled. Now, that superhighway that I talked about is usually a rickety road between our left and right brain. And as an educator, we want to, you know, enhance that. And the more we practice this, these aha moments and the and, and the epiphanies coming in and how they're happening and so on, we literally strengthen it and we create that super highway so we're access we can have greater access. It's like creating creating a different a better road for the information to come through. But anyway, so we have the left brain quieted and the right which means the mind is stilled. And so now that the mind is stilled, the right brain, which Einstein refers to as a sacred gift. You know, the left brain, as he said, was a faithful servant. The right brain is a sacred gift. If we take Einstein as an expert, and there are many others that can say other things about it, but anyway, we'll just stick with Einstein. And if we do believe it is a sacred gift, let's take that adjective as sacred, right? Wow. If it is a sacred gift, what comes through the right brain, then we will know that it is truth or wisdom or whatever you want to call it. But if we look at it also as a gift, rather than something that we have earned or done or 
entitled to, then we have a different perspective of what it is that's coming through. And if it's sacred and it's a truth or wisdom, then we have a greater reverence for it and a greater appreciation of it. Now, so here, that means that in this step, the wisdom comes through the right brain. And so the next step, once we still the mind, is to listen. Because when our left monkey brain is chattering away with the desires of the world and the distractions of the world and so on, it can't, the right brain can't hear. So that's why the left brain has to be silenced or in meditation or in compl- contemplative prayer or whatever it is that, that silences our mind. Then once we have that silenced, then the right brain is open and we can listen. So that's the only way that the aha moment, the epiphany, the truth can come in is when the left brain is quieted. That's why meditation is so necessary or prayer or however you want to refer to it. The other unique aspect of an aha moment is that when this information comes through, as Einstein said, it's a sacred gift and it is truth. And so oftentimes we hear it but we don't listen to it. So that's why the step is called listen. Because all of us have had aha moments. And how do we know that? Because, AJ, have you ever in your life said to yourself, I knew I shouldn't have done that. I knew I shouldn't have said that. I knew I I should have done this or done that. Have you ever done that? Yes, multiple times. Well, that's how we know that we get truth. And that's how we know that we didn't listen. Okay, so that's really, really common amongst us as humans is to hear it and say, oh, that's bizarre. That's something I don't want. That's, I, that's like ridiculous or whatever. And so we don't listen to this truth and then we go do something that our left brain tells us to do or our humanness tells us to do and it doesn't work out. So not only do we listen, then the fourth step then is to act Act upon the wisdom that has come through. So you listen and act because hearing it and not acting upon it is fruitless, right? Because then we just end up saying, I knew I shouldn't have done that or I I knew I shouldn't have bought that house or whatever it is. So act upon the truth. And if we go back and now understand that what we're getting is truth and or wisdom, it's much easier to act upon it. But I do challenge everybody out there because now everybody that's listening has gotten the awareness just by hearing this, these steps of how this works. And so everybody out there listening to this will in fact be aware of their next aha moment. Just like if you buy a red Volkswagen and then all of a sudden you see them everywhere. It It will be the same awareness that will come through. And so I challenge everybody the next time that they have a truth come in that they that sounds weird or that doesn't feels like that can't be the answer to follow it to just trust it know that it's truth follow it and it will in fact prove itself out to be the truth which then leads us to the final step which is check because some people need the the last step to prove it and so somewhere or another the process will prove itself that that was in fact the correct answer and that is the process of how truth comes into our physical being our spiritual being however you want to define it that's how it happens so the challenge is to then pay attention to those steps and the way that you do that is as i said next time you have an aha you do what i call an autopsy and you take that moment in time of where you were and uh it can only happen Another truth about an aha is not only, there there are a couple things. One, it will always be a surprise. It will never happen when you expect it. Because if you think it's coming from God or whatever, or sacred or divinity, then it's always a surprise. We're not in charge. And a gift always happens as a surprise, you know. and, And it will always be an answer that you will say to yourself, 
oh, I need to check that. I need to double check that. Like if you're trying to figure out the problem and the solution, and the solution comes through and you get it and it's like, oh, that's it. You don't say, oh, I have to research that again. You know, it's like you know that it's truth. You know in your being that it's truth. And the other third thing about a, an aha moment is that your mind will be in an alpha state. What we're talking about is moving our brain, our left brain down and our right brain open. And that happens through an alpha state, which is that dreamlike state between dreaming and awake. And each one of us, and AJ, I ask you what to think about what yours is. Some people do it when they're running. Some people are walking their dogs. Some people are in the shower. Some people are meditating. You know, uh, everybody has a different. Some people do it driving. When they, uh, some people, it's actually while they're sleeping and they wake up and write things down in the middle of the night. I can tell you a story about that as well. But anyway, AJ, what is your alpha moment? Do you have a place where you get your inspiration? For me, it is the last example that you mentioned. Uh, sometimes I wake up at two o'clock in the morning and I just write down something or I just buy a domain name or I just come up with an idea. Most of the ideas that I came up in the last seven to eight months was at around 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. in the morning. I just get up all of a sudden and I write stuff down. It just works for me. Well, you know what that time is of the day, right? That's the time where the, the veil yep. between the two worlds is the, the thinnest. And so yep. that's the beautiful time where you can, in fact, connect to spirit more easily. And what a fun story that happened to me when I was writing Wisdom to the, uh, for the Inner Teacher. I was done with the book and had put it away, finished, and then uh, went to bed. And I woke up like you did. At like I, Even in the book, I have it written at like at 2.56 or something in the morning. Mm-hmm. Couldn't go back to sleep. And I went down to my computer and I just wrote out these few pages. And my husband's a really, really good writer, not much better than me. And so I always have him read my words. And he's a really tough critic. And so he always has edits or comments or whatever. <laughs> so I left my pages on the counter for him to read. And he read them the next morning. And he said, this is perfect. What, when did you do this? And I said, oh, in the middle of the night. And he said, well, there's nothing to change on it. It's well done. And mm-hmm. I said, really? And he said, yeah. And it was like the first time he'd ever not had a comment on it. Now, AJ, why did that happen that way? Why was there no edits? Probably because your wisdom shined through. I think it was uh, that moment that you took advantage of. And if you had that idea in your mind, and maybe if you acted upon that idea later on in the evening, it might not have been so effective as taking action right then and there. That's it. Because when I got up out of bed, I barely, Janice didn't come in, right? Janice was still sort of half asleep. Exactly. So, you know, whose spirit sat down at the computer and wrote the three the pages or whatever, and I had nothing to do with it. I hardly remember to even did it. Mm. So as an example of, you know, getting rid of ourselves, our I-ness, so that the spirit can, can come through. Um, I also had another experience with my with the second book, Teach with Spirit, um, I had finished the book and put it away, and then I had this cathartic cleaning of my office. Mm-hmm. You know, the bottom drawer of my file cabinet was broken, and that led to me, like, throwing away everything and cleaning everything out and so on. And it was this incredible process of of emptying out. And I had this one piece of paper left, and I couldn't figure out what to do with it, you know. And so I just kept moving it around and left it on my desk. And then, like, a day or two later, I recognized what it was and what I needed to do with it. And that was the poem Desiderata which you may be familiar with. If not, look it up. It's in my book. And I recognize that that had to be the finale, the final piece in my book, or one of the final pieces, because it is a a writing about how to live life that was written like in the 1500s. So the book is about, as I said, it could be live with spirit, you know, how to teach with spirit or whatever. And this was the my um, one of my catalysts for my spiritual seeking at 16, 17 years old. And so I had to share that in the book with, you know, the people that would be my readers for this was my guidepost and still is about how to conduct life or how to live life. But again, it was that 
that letting go of self and pay, and paying attention to living in the energy of the aha, living in the energy of the intuitive mind and just following it and knowing that that's what needed to happen with that. So that's those are two fun stories about how the aha moment has helped my life. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks a lot for sharing these steps. And this seems so systematical in that uh, every step has a particular role to play towards you uh, being more prepared for the aha moment. You can't predict the aha moment, as you said, but you can just be more prepared. You mentioned desire, surrender, then still the mind, then you have the right brain being more accessible to the truth, to the wisdom, to that sacred gift. And then we listen to that truth. We take in the wisdom, not hear it, but listen to the wisdom. And the next step really reminded me of the foundations of Buddhism is to take action. Karma is the law of cause and effect. If you have an idea from your friend, from your mentor, from your coach, from the universe, it's of no use unless you take action towards it. Uh, Even Tony Robbins says, never leave the site of any goal setting before deciding on some course of action. It might be small. It might be a mistake that you uh, indulge in. But the very nature of taking action sets forth within you a momentum, a momentum that's not easy to stop. And then you also mentioned check, which is a very scientific approach towards anything in life. You take action and then you sort of evaluate, you take a couple of steps back and see, does this wisdom work for you? If not, seek some more, search some more, because the search never ends. Thanks a lot for sharing. And at this point, our guests share one health tip that our listeners can try out immediately. So what is it one tip that you can share with our audience? Well, in Teach with Spirit, the I believe the second chapter is the chapter on mindfulness. And we, I don't know if, if you're aware of the audience is aware of, of what mindfulness is. It's a very simple concept of living right here in the present moment and not being upset if the present moment isn't the way you want it to be or not yearning for something to be something else, but just being right here, right now. And living in the present moment and being mindful of the present moment is perhaps the most important step that your listeners can do in terms of of connecting to their intuition as which is my purpose to inspire them to connect to their intuition and i actually have as i said a whole chapter in teach with spirit about mindfulness but and i when i teach my workshops and my lectures i always begin with the experiential part of it which means that and I will do that now with the listeners so that they can get a feel for what I'm talking about because what we have talked about thus far has been pretty left brain we have been talking and discussing and defining and so on but now I'd like to step into the experiential part of it and so as I define and explain the concept of mindfulness I want the listeners to be actively involved which means that wherever they are in their car, in their chair, in their couch, wherever they're sitting or standing, I want them, I'm going to assume they're sitting, that they sit more deeply into the chair and that they can feel the weight of their body in the chair and that they can actually feel their feet on the floor and then let it get deeper and allow themselves to get even more heavy allow them to come fully into our beings and our body because what we're doing is a groundedness, which is imperative. In order to connect to spirit fully, we need to be fully human. 
So in order to become fully human, we need to bring our entire being into our body. And so we bring it in even deeper and deeper. And now, if the listeners would close their eyes, if they haven't already, that takes away 95% of the stimulus from the outside. And now spend some time feeling the inside of your body. Not only can you feel the heaviness, but can you feel your stomach? Can you feel things rumbling around in there? Can you feel your heart doing its work? That beautiful heart. How about your lungs? Can you feel your breath? Can you taste your breath? Can you hear your breath? And now what are the sounds around you where you are? So bring the acute awareness of what's happening around you and listen to whatever sounds there are so that you can recognize all of that awareness and now experience that even more fully. And if we were not doing an audio program, I would go silent, but we can't really go silent on an audio program to sit there for a few minutes in that stillness. Now that's the practice of mindfulness and that practice that we just did, the the listeners now should feel more present is the way to define it. That they feel their body, they feel their feet. You feel your the awareness of, of where you are and what you're doing. And so now you are in a ready state to have life come at you. So whatever comes at you, you're fully embodied and, you're, and you hear it and see it and know it even before it even happens sometimes so that you can fully be prepared to respond appropriately to it rather than being on the defense, rather than trying to be, you know, uh, thrown off kilter by it. So we have, and this practice of mindfulness goes on and on and on. When I teach my courses, I have, I come back to this practice and have the participants close their eyes, go through those steps with maybe different words, the same experience. Oh, every 15 minutes, every 10 minutes. Because that's how, with our monkey mind, we get distracted so quickly. And it's, what we're doing is we're reprogramming our left brain. So on a physical level, we're literally reprogramming our left brain. Now, if you, within your spiritual belief or religion, have a few words, a mantra that, you know, the Lord is within, the Lord is my Savior, whatever your mantra of your words may be, to repeat those as you go through this process. Because what we're doing is we're giving the left brain something to do. It's like giving a child a a coloring book to keep them busy. Because if we don't give the mind something to do, then it's going to run away. So we not only want to give it something to do, but we wanted to give it something that is the highest vibration possible. So within your spiritual belief system, connection, whatever it is, find those words for you in your system, your philosophy, your religion, that connect your heart. And then take those words and feel them in your heart. And I do this when I teach yoga as well. It's very mind, body, spirit, yoga. So feel those words in your heart. Do they open your heart? And then we connect the heart to the top of our head chakra and open that up so that we're fully embodied and we are in the present moment. So the experience of being mindful is the first step to then connecting to spirit. And as the book, the books actually guide us to do, to become deeper and more connected and deeper and more connected. Because, you know, I've been on this journey in this physical incarnation for however long, 45 years or something. 
you know, so and beyond how many incarnations beyond that. So there's always a deeper, more solid connection. So we, we just continue getting making it deeper and deeper and deeper. So a long answer to your one question of what is the one thing, I ask the listeners to do a mindfulness practice in whatever form or fashion they choose. Well, thanks a lot for that tip and that guided meditation. I'm sure that listeners would really love uh, listening and getting a glimpse of what it is not only to talk about this concept from the left brain perspective, but also from the right brain perspective as well. Now, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Now, this is a profound thought shared by Viktor Frankl, and this marks our transition into a round during which we discuss challenges. So, Dr. Janice, tell us about a time when you faced a major challenge. What was your initial reaction to that challenge, and then how did you approach or overcome it? Um, I'm actually going to share with you what I'm going through currently. Uh, a month ago, I found out um, I was on my retreat in India, and I my husband was back in the states, and he had accepted a job that would move us from Charlotte, North Carolina, to Southern California. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge, huge transition, East Coast to West Coast and so on. And so that was a bit overwhelming. That was a challenge. And how, and I, I'm continuing as I, as I speak to you now mm-hmm. from the extended stay in Ontario, California, uh, for the first day in California. The process that I've gone through over the last month has been, as I said, the deepening to lean for me to lean into what I believe is the divine will. So I believe that there is such a thing as the divine will and that it has been pre-written where I am to be and why. And I am, you know, doing my role throughout this incarnation for that. So in order to deal with this enormity of, of this transition on every level, whether it's, you know, giving away of the furniture and the legacies and the heirlooms or the house that I love or moving from one climate to an, all of it, it just goes on and on and on. Every step along the way, my guidepost, my support system has been to continually bring me back to a phrase that someone wrote about God saying, I will keep you where and under what circumstance I choose. And so that is my support system because for me, how can I know really what's best? You know, I don't know what lies ahead. I could go to every psychic in the world. It doesn't matter. It's not supposed to know. You're supposed to live the journey here right now in this moment and experience it. And for me, it has been one of the greatest tools to surrender and surrender some more, and surrender some more, that it doesn't matter. Here I am, right here, and the next step will present itself. And when that happens, then you live in the magic of it. And the magic of it is this. Last night, when we pulled into Ontario Extended Stay Hotel, Mm -hmm. my girlfriend that lives in San Luis Obispo, California, was driving from Phoenix, to Northern California, and she was driving through Riverside and said, and called, thinking I was back in the Carolinas, and said, oh, Janice, I just want to let you know I'm driving through Riverside and so on, and poof, there she was. <laughs> and here she came, and she drove over to us, spent the night, and that's the, and now we're having this wonderful sharing a moment. She's sitting in the room with me, Margaret Carmen, who's a wonderful chiro- healing chiropractor, and so those kind of magical moments come forth. Because I am able to live in the present moment at as much as possible 
with the grace of God and, and then lean into that rather than the meanness of it, if that makes any sense. So looking back now, what is that one major life lesson that you would want our listeners to take away from your story? Well, it goes back to the, the quote that I talked about and that you so believe in that everything is within us. And so as I go through this journey of this transformation of my physical being from one place to another and, and, and entailing everything else in, in my life, you know, gets uprooted and shifted and changed, that it's not about the material. It's not about the physical. And it's not about where my body is. It's not about any of that. It's all within. So it doesn't matter if I'm in the extended stay or if I'm in a palatial estate or if I'm in Charlotte or if I'm in... Irvine, it matters that I am connected to God, that I am as fully connected to spirit as I can be, and that I know, as you stated so eloquently in the beginning, that everything is within. So as the normal human anxieties bounce up and, you know, oh, how is this going to happen? What's going to happen there? What's going to happen? Let it go. Let go and let God. So I guess those are the words, let go and let God, a very common phrase that we all say but we don't often practice. And the letting go has to be deeper and the letting God has to be more. Always letting go and letting God. Let go and let God. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us about how you are coming out victorious. It just shows us not to take the easy route, but to stay there, take action and be grateful for our experiences. Now, almost everyone out there is looking for their life's true purpose. And while it may not be really easy to find, discussing stories makes it easier to move forward. And that is the reason for this round, during which we discuss how our guests found their life's purpose. So life is a big canvas, and you should throw all the paint on it you can. This is a quote by Danny Kay. So my question to you, Dr. Janice, is have you found your calling? <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I have. Great. And as I said in the beginning, it is to inspire. Great. So based on what you said, the stories that you shared uh, and the experiences, more importantly, that you shared, is there a particular moment in your life beyond which you knew that your life was about to change? That my life was about a change? Well, my whole life has been about transformation. I have... um, you know, I mean, early on in my life, I began seeking spiritually. And when you seek spiritually, you're looking for transformation, for a complete change. And there's a whole chapter in my book about transformation and the steps of transportation and a guide about how to go through the steps of transformation. Mm -hmm. Every time I speak transformation, I use the word transportation, which is quite funny because it is sort of transporting yourself through the transformation of whatever it is you're doing. So at the grandest sense, everything that I experience in life about whether I'm here or there or doing this or that, I'm the educator, I'm the teacher, I'm the speaker, I'm the trainer, I'm the author, I'm the writer, all those things, I'm the yoga teacher, I'm the dive master, I'm all those things, but no, my true purpose is to inspire. And so the writing of the last book in the last chapter, as I said before, was the catalyst that allowed me to know that. And so now I seek people like you to help me have an avenue to share the inspiration that is my purpose. And that is the biggest change, is accepting that and then living and being that, you know. And as we go through transformation, there's a part, there's one step in there we have to bless the fear. Because if you truly are living in the void, if you don't know what's going to come next, then you um, have to say, bless the fear and say, I don't know. And again, we're back to the second step of surrender. So living in the second step, and then we come back to letting go and letting God. 
so again, we live in it. It's a cyclical thing. All you know, always living the same, the same message of letting go, letting God, surrendering, and listening within. You mentioned that it's a good habit to bless the fear. Is that correct? Yes. That sort of reminds me of uh, something that Les Brown said, and he said that fear is there to keep us safe, to protect us. And in one way, fear is good for us because uh, subconsciously, in our brain, it is that brain that tells the caveman to stay away from the saber-toothed tiger to stay far away from the bushes which are now shaking because they might be a predator back there but beyond that fear beyond that comfort zone that's where the magic lies so thanks a lot for sharing that with us and it is now time for the wisdom round and this round is really simple i ask rapid fire questions and you will respond with doses of wisdom for our listeners to take away and take action towards so are you ready I am ready for the wisdom round. Awesome. So what is the best advice you have ever received? Listen within. Listen within. What is that one personal habit that contributes to your well-being? Uh, mindfulness. Being, living in the present moment, as I said, and being mindful at all times, and co- which makes you connected to spirit at all times. Dr. Janice, what is your morning ritual like? What do you do during the first two hours of your day? Uh, meditation. I have a spiritual guru and um, I practice meditation and it, for two and a half hours every morning. So what is that one book that has made a major impact on your life? Now that's a tough one um, <laughs> because all of the sacred texts, whether it's the Adi Granth or the Quran or the Bible or any, you know, all of them to me say the same message. Uh, they can be interpreted with my message. So there isn't any one sacred text or book, I don't think, that has that has uh, changed my life. Well, you know what? Here I go. The books I've written. My books. My books are the ones that have changed my life the most because they are the word. They have made me be the integration of who I am and allowed me then to step forth into my power of being the inspirer. So those are the most important books for me all right so listeners all the insights and links will be available in the show notes so dr janice it was so great having you on our show today before you go tell us one thing that you're really grateful for tell us the best way we can find you and then we'll say goodbye uh i am grateful for my connection to spirit uh ever grateful and the best way to find me is through my website which is just janicefletcher.com uh which is j-a-n-i-c-e fletcher.com my two books are on amazon or anywhere you can find them they're also on my website and they are you can see you can google wisdom from the inner teacher by janice fletcher or teach with spirit by janice fletcher or more easily just janicefletcher.com and i do workshops and speaking all the traditional things that anybody needs or wants someone like me to do so action takers what we discussed today about owl moments about aha moments about eureka moments was just the tip of the iceberg so if you are somebody who wants to have more of these moments in other words be more prepared for such moments and have that systematic process towards being more prepared if you're a teacher if you're a student if you're a parent who wants to probably help your child then go to this website, go to janicefletcher.com, that's J-A-N-I-C-E-F-L-E-T-C-H-E-R.com and you will be exposed to many more inspirational articles and information that will change your life. So Dr. Janice, thank you so much for inspiring us, encouraging us, motivating us and taking us one step closer 
to a human revolution. Thank you, AJ, for the opportunity to share these wisdom thoughts through me and, and the messages of my book. I appreciate the opportunity. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.